Good morning, listeners. Yeah, all the time. Good morning, listeners. You have reached the Voices of the Cannabis Wars radio show, where we try to bring you not only the news from the front line, but the news right from behind bars as well, as we try to get as many voices possibly heard of the cannabis war so that people out there know what's going on. This show is made possible by CCHI um, Initiative down in California. They're trying to free prisoners as well through their Jack Herrer Initiative. And they give us this platform for us to be able to, you know, talk about what's going on, um, not just in the prisons, but outside of the prisons in the in the in the in the world that affects prohibition basically. Um some of some of the things we talk about aren't aren't directly related to the prisoners, but they are in a way. So we talk about them because it's it's the news and it's it's what's going on out there and it's how, how we wind up in jail. Um my name is Kristen Floor. I am one of the hosts of the show. Um I'm basically here because my father died in prison and I don't think anybody else should have to. Uh, we have Eugene Fisher, who is also another host of the show on the line, and he is here because he spent 25 years of a life sentence in prison, and he doesn't think anybody should be in prison for a plant. We also have the producer of the show. Her name is Mindy Griffiths. Um, she's she's here. She's on the back end, um, but she works very, very hard to try to get the voices out there. And we also have uh, Becca Nichols, who isn't on this week, but you guys know her as one of the screeners when you call into the show. So this week's show is lined out pretty good. And we've got a really, really awesome guest, David Rhodes. He's an ex-POW. Um, he was in prison for nonviolent crime. Uh, part of part of his nonviolent crime was marijuana. And he got out after over 20 years. And David Rhodes was a really good friend of Eugene's while they were in prison. Um, and right now, he owns a hemp company where he makes jeans out of hemp. But not only that, but he's going to tell us, he's not here to talk necessarily about that. He's here to talk to us about what is going on in California with an ordinance regarding delivery services um, with the with our plant at our MMJ delivery service. So we're going to talk to him. And then right after him, we're going to hear from a man by the name of Craig Cecil, who you guys all know. He calls into our show regularly every single Sunday to tell us basically what's going on behind bars. He's on his 13th year of his life sentence. Then after that, we will hear from George Monterano, who served 33 years of a life sentence. Now, George has a regular segment on our show called Georgie's Corner. Um, And I want to talk to George when he comes on a little bit about what was going on this weekend at the Seattle Hemp Fest party that I got to go to. So, we're going we're gonna to hear from George Monterano, and then after that, we're going to hear from Stephanie Landa about uh, Freedom Grow and about the commissary money that, that they just um, are loading on prisoners' books, I believe, this week. So check us out. After that, we're going to go to open mic. So if you have some news in your community or you are you know have a family or a friend that's incarcerated and you want to get the word out there and they're in prison for a plant, then go ahead and call us. Um, right about after after Stephanie Landis. So we think about 10 50 open calls. Uh, that number to call in will be 917-889-8298. Um, so first, um, we're going to introduce you guys to one of my heroes, um, a man that is just very, very intelligent and wise and great because, you know, he's seen, he's seen life on the other side. Good morning, Eugene. 
<laughs> Good morning, Christian. Uh, <laughs> I, I just I just like to say one comment about your introduction, your beautiful introduction. You mentioned okay. that you're here because of your father dying in prison, and I'm here because I did time in prison. That's true, but we're here because we want to be, because we're free people. Well, that's, that's one of the glories. Yeah, it, it was a stimulus. We're doing this because we believe in it, though, and we're we're ab- advocates to change this whole horrible war on on marijuana. And Christian, w- one of the things we're going to hear with David is some of the stuff that's happening in local ordinances and so on. And I, I want to say this for our listeners' sake. In a perfect world, we get perfect solutions to all problems. Our world is not perfect, nor will it ever be, because that's just the way things are. So we we got to grab as much as we can. And this is one of the things I see the different advocacy groups and their Sometimes they fight each other, they fight among themselves and so on for the perfect solutions. We'd like the perfect solutions, but we we want solutions, period. We want changes. And there's some things we don't want to compromise on, but other things we can be a little flexible and negotiate and so on. And Because that's just how life is. All right. Well, Eugene, I, I, I spent some time last night at a hemp fest, a Seattle hemp fest party. And I took Tony with me. She's one of our voices of the cannabis war. And we, the Seattle hemp fest already had some letters for some of our prisoners. Um, Jimmy Romans, uh, Antonio Bascaro, Craig Cecil, and um, John Nock are all really good friends of yours. And with all the people that came to the party, we got about 200 letters signed. And we were trying to get one. Uh, Miggy was going to bring them, but at the last minute, Miggy couldn't, didn't end up coming. So we're going to have to find a way to get some signed for him real soon. But we did get about 200 letters signed for four different prisoners to the president um, that Sherry Sicard, um, she actually wrote the letters. We, we got the letters off of her website, um, CannabisSherry.com. I believe that's where you can find those letters. But um, we got them, and the Seattle Hemp Fest printed them, and we got everybody that came to the party to sign them, and then we also sold raffle tickets. It was really cool because I don't know how much commissary they raised, but Jimmy Romans, who is one of the prisoners, well, they adopted two prisoners. One was your friend George um, about two years ago or so, and they've been they've been raising commissary money for these two prisoners. Well, one of their prisoners is out, um, and the other prisoner um, was still needs help so they've they've been raising commissary money for jimmy romans in fact jimmy jimmy's been a guest on our show before calling in from behind bars but it was an awesome event last night so i want to thank tony for coming out there and getting those letters signed and i also want to thank the seattle hemp fest for letting us come and get those letters signed and for inviting inviting us to help um it was a great night they had some really good food and music and um it's just really cool. I'm hoping to be able to get them on, on the show, um, Sharon Whitson on the show in the future to be able to talk to us. Oh, and guess what, Eugene? Um, they had one of our favorite groups there, uh, by a name by the name of Matthew. Um, I don't know his last name, but he is a representative from LEAP. Um, that's the Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. 
And he oh, spoke okay. to us. Yeah, yeah, he spoke to, he was a speaker there. And it was really, really cool. And he said a lot of good stuff. And I'm I'm hoping I talked to him about coming on our show in the future. So um, he seemed pretty cool thinking about it. So um, hopefully all our listeners will be able to hear what I heard last night um, about law enforcement against prohibition. So um, that was the evening, and it was great. And um, no one should go to jail for a plant. So that's that's why we were there. Anyhow, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's exactly the point. I think you made the point well, Christian. Uh, law enforcement. A lot of people are, are totally negative about law enforcement. People have been prisoners or have been affected by this war on cannabis. And uh, there's a reason for them being that way. But on the other side of it, if we can make a coalition, if we can get law enforcement officers who see our way and help us in the struggle, that's that's the kind of coalition we want. We want those people well, because it makes they, us stronger. They seem to be building sort of a coalition um, in their group. Is What they did is, okay, his name was Matt McCauley. And he's one of the first 10 speakers for, for Elite that originally started. And now he's got, like, thousands of speakers, um, law enforcement against prohibition, speaking on their behalf, but is what he was doing is he was passing out flyers. People fill them out and give them back to him saying that they do appreciate or not appreciate, but follow what they do and believe in what they're doing. So that's how they're getting a following. And it's really cool. But yeah, I, I, he said he would, he might want to help us and we're going to talk about him coming on in the future. So I hope everybody stays tuned for that. But his name was Matt McCauley. If you guys want to check out leap, it's www.leap.cc. You can go to their website and find more about law enforcement against prohibition. But Eugene, your friend David Rhodes is on the phone, is on that phone. He's he's called into the show, so we've got our first guest ready to come on. So I'm going to put David on, and we're going to find out, uh, listeners, what in the world is going on in Southern California. Good, good morning. Right? Good morning, David. Hold on, I'm trying, I just pressed the button here. Okay, and this is coming from an XPOW. Um, who was in prison for 20 years. David, what is going on in Southern California? And good morning. You know what? That is a very good question. This uh, (laughs) past (laughs) Friday, I spent several hours at City Hall with uh, District 10 Councilman Marquise Harris Dawson um, uh, speaking uh, to them and... uh, uh, an assistant, Bernard, and uh, we were going over uh, a latest filing here in Los Angeles because Los Angeles, the laws seem to be very confusing as they are in most uh, jurisdictions. Um, Los Angeles uh, continues to not really uh, know exactly what's going on. Uh, the council uh, indicated to me that there is approximately 134 dispensaries with what they call uh, that comply with a pre-ICO filing. In other words, 134 dispensaries here in Los Angeles could that could be potentially legal, but it was their opinion that the vast majority of them were not uh, filing the correct records and keeping, you know, keeping everything up to date. Now, with that said, 
there is over 700 dispensaries open here in Los Angeles. So it's kind of like a pick and choose among law enforcement uh, who they want to uh, leave open, who they want to close, and uh, it's just extremely unsettled here. And this past week, the week before that, uh, the city attorney uh, for Los Angeles filed a uh, lawsuit against the major delivery service, uh, which name was Speedweed. And uh, that should go on for an extremely long, long time. I mean, that could go on years and years and years. Uh, uh, With that being said, overshadowing, uh, you know, of course we know that federal law trumps uh, everything. Uh, But with that being said... Uh, overall in California, uh, the initiatives uh, that are uh, before the state for the 2016 election, it seems, it appears that uh, everybody is kind of rallying around the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. And, uh, you know, some of the other, the, the major organizations, Reform California, uh, they've kind of thrown in the towel and they're semi-supporting uh, this uh, bill, but the bill itself still doesn't clarify, you know, exactly what's going on. In fact, uh, Normal uh, hasn't endorsed the bill yet because it, they say that it contains a number of legal glitches and inconsistencies that will have to be fixed by the courts, and, of course, that's true. The The cities, the county, the state, it's just kind of a you know, it's like we're playing Russian roulette here in California with uh, uh, trying to legalize uh, marijuana, and nobody really wants to step forward, in my humble opinion, and maybe just put something through like Colorado or Washington and just make it clear. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of concern on uh, everybody's uh, part, and, uh you know, there, there's meetings all over Los Angeles. This last Thursday, I attended a meeting with perhaps 200 uh, individuals there that were anywhere from uh, growers to dispenser, uh, people that own dispensaries uh, that uh, own delivery services or were going to uh, start uh, delivery services or just general citizens that were concerned. And there were attorneys talking, and, you know, it just went back and forth. So, uh you know, the marijuana situation here in California, while everybody seems to uh, uh, think that it's, uh, you know, clearing up, uh, in in my opinion, just be, seems to become more fuzzy as time goes by. And then, of course, uh, the, the, the elections this fall in November, uh, you know, I don't know if that's going to uh, straighten out things or make it even more confusing. So it just goes on and on here in California. David, why do you why do you think there is such such confusion uh, uh, with the laws that are being proposed? Well, you know, I, you know, I think it's you know basically it, it boils down to being political. Right now, the latest polls in California show that over sixty percent of the uh, uh, people that live here in California support. Uh, legalizing marijuana, period. But I think that there's uh, some resistance from the politicians because the politicians 
uh, know perfectly well that not all those uh, 60% of the people, you know, are vote, uh, uh, will vote. And, uh, I, you know, it's just like a hot potato that's being tossed back and forth. And they're, they're uh, you know, moving forward in increments. I guess they're carefully stepping forward on this. Um, I think... You know, it kind of amazed me with the uh, Speedweed lawsuit against the delivery services where the city attorney here said that his intention was to uh, close down all delivery services. And uh, pretty much coming from the individuals in City Hall, uh, the councilmen uh, here in Los Angeles don't necessarily support that and they believe that it's, uh, you know, it's political for one reason or another for the city attorney to file against Speedweed delivery. And uh, they haven't shut down Speedweed delivery. They've just filed a suit, and they continue to deliver, and we'll just have to see how that balances out. But, you know, I just think it's a, uh, you know, it's an uh, issue. Uh, You know, California has one of the greatest... uh, uh, budget uh, problems in, in the country. I mean, it's just it's way in the deficit. But the, the attorney general office said uh, the initiative here in California could bring in as much as a billion dollars a year. Should it be even if it was medical, let alone recreational. And so they, you know, they're trying to move forward, but it, uh, you know, I. You know, it just seems to be kind of semi-stuck in the mud. I'm sure that it will move forward. The question is when. And uh, in the meantime, as time goes by, it's uh, it's more and more hands-off by uh, law enforcement here in California. And, you know, I, I think that's where it's uh, at. What, uh, what do you mean by that, what, uh, David? What do you mean by hands-off? Well, uh, say for an example... Uh, the city council, uh, you know, they know that over 700 uh, dispensaries here in Los Angeles are are open. And uh, one of the uh, representatives for Councilman uh, Harris Dawson uh, happened to mention to me that not too far from his house, uh, in one block, three illegal dispensaries were were open. And they've been open for years, and uh, law enforcement hasn't done anything. So it just makes you kind of scratch your head. Uh, you know, it's a like like I said earlier. I think it's a pick and choose uh, with law enforcement and the ones that are open uh, illegally or even assumed legally. Uh, it's kind of Russian roulette with them. They could operate for years and not have any problem. And you know, and then at other times they'll they'll shut down one uh, one uh, once in a while, and I I think it's just for you know publicity purposes. So this lawsuit uh, they just filed could be null and void uh, after the referendum in in November. Yes, it could be. It could very well be. And then um, there's also uh, several groups here in Los Angeles that are uh, filing uh, initiatives that will be on the election for the city in November. 
that would allow uh, delivery services that have some type of uh, relationship with uh, the dispensaries that have the 134 dispensaries that I mentioned earlier that apparently um, are legal or semi-legal according to the city under what is Proposition D here in Los Angeles. So, uh, again, it's very loose. It's very loose. I think uh, uh, people just say, you know, they tread on uh, uh, they tread on water more or less, and uh, that they're very careful that uh, that they provide uh, you know uh, reasonable service uh, that they uh, only serve people that have uh, uh, medical uh, licenses to purchase marijuana and have their proper ID, and uh, the city doesn't uh, receive complaints. Uh, you know, I think those companies are okay. It sounds so, to me like, uh, David, from what you're describing, uh, it's a phenomena of as legalization proceeds, there'll be more regulations, and yes. uh, people yes. will have to have to abide by those regulations in order to pro properly function. Is that really uh, what, what's yes, occurring? That, you know, that's, yes, that's what I believe in. You know, uh, we all know that, uh, you know, as time goes by, there's more and more regulations, not just in this industry, but the government overall, the, just the growth of the government. But uh, I don't think that the regulations are going to be particularly uh, difficult to abide by as long as uh, the individuals that are have the dispensary, have the grows, uh, have the delivery services, as, as long as they're uh, paying attention that uh that they have reasonable uh legal counsel and they uh stay up uh stay on top of uh the rules and regulations what, what do you think uh, uh, on the what? on the growing side of the business uh that seems to be less regulated than the dispensary side of it do you believe there'll be more control on on growing in the future? Well, uh, you know, actually on the uh, on the initiative that's going, uh, it looks like, you know, it's narrowing down to one initiative so that, uh, so that people can stay, you know, focused rather than divided like they were in a 2010 election here in California. Uh, but uh, the initiative uh, apparently... Uh, from what I've read, makes it a little bit more difficult for growers, not just, you know, growers that are growing more than, you know, a few plants, but uh, growers that are growing, you know, quite a few plants. And uh, at the same time, you know, it's just, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, normal doesn't think that uh, the initiative goes far enough, the adult use of marijuana act and uh that's the one that people are getting behind and uh, so that's why i was mentioning that i think it's just going step by step by step they pass this then they uh, you know then they go to the next election and they uh clarify it and i just think that it, it'll continue to move and evolve uh but one of these days i think uh well i'm hoping that uh 
it'll be a little bit more clear here in California, at least in California. And then again, you know, we still always have to be concerned of the federal government, you know, looking over our shoulders. Um, The other day I I took uh, some time to uh, review the presidential candidates, uh, both Democratic and Republican, as to what their current stand is on, uh, you know, states with legalization of either, either recreational or medical marijuana. And it was interesting that it it appeared that virtually every single candidate elected uh, to allow the states to do what they wanted to do, a states' rights issue, without the federal government interfering, except for one candidate, Marco Rubio. And that it kind of amazed me because uh, he said he's going to enforce the laws. And uh, if he happened to be president of the United States, it it appears from what he's saying right this moment that he would shut down every dispensary, every grow, every delivery service in the country. So, you know, and then again, he may soften his position on that as time goes by if he was, uh, you know, the Republican candidate for president. So, you know, we have to, you know, we have all these things. We have city, we have county, we have state, we have federal, and it's just uh, it's a revolving door. And so everybody has to stay on their toes. Uh, do you foresee uh, in in November that they will uh, the referendum will deal with recreational marijuana in addition to medical marijuana? No, no. Unfortunately, it doesn't. Uh, that's why they're saying uh, they just really they call it a softer, gentler prohibition. Uh, it doesn't consider legalization, uh, you know, for for recreation, and that that kind of concerns me because I think if uh, if legalization and recre- you know recreational drugs were in this particular uh, initiative, then it would be much much easier for the uh, you know for for the votes uh, to be turned out. Although we all know here in California, anybody, virtually anybody can get a uh, medical rec- uh, recommendation to purchase marijuana. But uh, that's the crazy part of it, uh, that, uh, that they just don't put in legalization straight out. And uh, that's not in this bill. So um, it's somewhat, yeah, concerning. Uh, David, I mean, I it just- concerns I just want to let you know that at any second we could have Craig Cecil calling in. Um, Craig is on his thirteenth year of his life sentence, so when he call, he call, he's going to be calling in from prison. So when he calls, um, yeah. we might just get you know, kind of cut off at the minute. So I want oh, to just no know for you, I just let you know that could happen. You know, but uh, in the meantime, I, I was I'm wondering if you could tell our listeners. Um, like, what can they do? What's the most important thing um, to be concerned with down there? What can they do to focus on um, making it the, the, making it right? Um, just, you know, we have, I think we have some listeners that listen from Southern California. If they want to get involved, how, how would they do that? Well, uh, you know, from my review of the, the current situation right now, uh, it's like, you know, although I would rather have alternative choices, uh, that we all need to get behind the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. And uh, that act 
was endorsed by Silicon Valley billionaire Sean Parker and Lieutenant Governor Kevin uh, uh, Newsom. Uh, so it looks like it has the greatest possibility of passing, and it's a step forward, even though it's, uh, I don't want to say it's a baby step, but it's not, uh, uh, it's not a major step either. It's just a little bit of movement forward. And then, of course, with the, with the passage of that initiative, then it's going to take a period of time to institute it. And during that period of time, of course, everybody's going to argue over what it means. But I think uh, if individuals just go and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, go on their search engine and just put in Adult Use of Marijuana Act and all kinds of articles will pop up, uh, they'll be able to read the full initiative. And, uh, again, I, you know, I wish it was different, but it's better than nothing. And so we need to get behind it uh, as uh, other com- uh, as other groups are, and uh, it looks like it narrows down to that one initiative, which you know is you know positive in a sense that there's not like three or four or five initiatives on the ballot that divides everybody, and then we get nothing. Something is better than nothing. So it is an evolutionary uh, process, and this yes, would just yeah. be a mo- a, another movement yeah. forward. In, yeah, in, and uh, what, what I what I think too is, uh, as it moves forward, uh, law enforcement will become more and more less uh, less concerned about it. So as crazy it is right now, with like you know over 500 illegal dispensaries open uh, today, this very day in Los Angeles, and they're not uh, law enforcement's not doing anything. It'll be that much less for them. It'll be that much easier for those, you know, individuals to move forward. But it would be just, you know, a blessing for everybody if if we could just have something come down the pipe that, uh, you know, gave some clarity uh, so that we all know where where it's at and so the businesses can move forward and that people can sleep at night. Right, right. Yeah. So, uh you know, it's uh, you know, it, it's an evolution here in California for sure. For sure, yeah. I'm worried that the legalization might get passed in California. Right now, legalization in Washington is, you know, it's, it's hurting quite a bit of the medical medical dispensaries. A lot of them are going to be forced forced to close down in July um, because if you don't have a recreational license, law. So um, we're going to have even more. We've already had tons of dispensaries already have to shut down but we're even going to have all of them now will be um shutting down and we have so many of them and we don't have yeah, any recreational yeah. license so, uh, available yeah it's disappointing to know these things that you know as they said uh as normal commented that uh you know with uh this may be bringing additional legal uh glitches and inconsistencies so the people that have put in uh some really hard work have uh you know perhaps risk their uh safety from uh, uh being incarcerated or at least having a conviction uh you know it jeopardizes them and that's why like i you know it'd just be so nice to have something with a little bit more clarity right 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 well all David, i have to say uh, be careful what you vote for be careful what we vote for exactly 
and it's not what we really think it is. So, yeah. Yes, well, sure. that's why I, you know, I think everybody should go and read uh, read this act here in California that looks like it's going to be the major one. Again, it's Adult Use of Marijuana Act. It's A U M A, and so that's 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 what's happening here in Cal. I feel bad about Washington uh, with the the problems up there. After all. I was born in Olympia, so I'm a, a official okay. Washingtonian. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. you guys, we've got Craig calling in right now. So I want to thank you, David, um, for coming on the show. And I'm going to switch over and answer that other line. And, Eugene, will you talk to David sure. while, um, and end the interview while I get Craig on? Okay, okay. Thank you, David, for coming on and, and uh, yeah. giving us some clarification of it. Of a very murky area of what's occurring. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, exactly, it. Exactly, Jane. Exactly, and uh, you know we just you know keep our fingers crossed and uh, move forward. And uh, you know uh, as we move forward here statewide, though, I think uh, in my belief that you know there's going to be congressmen and uh, good morning, uh, Craig. You know, it's, good morning. Okay, I'll look, okay, bye. Uh, Bye. Hi, David. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Jean. We were just. It's we were... Go ahead. Go ahead. It's beautiful. Oh, I was just It's beautiful here in Indiana today. Right now, it's sunny and about sixty degrees. <laughs> okay. Wow. We How's just, the situation um, with prison food there, Craig? Um, it's it's getting worse by the day. It's still continuing to get worse. Like recently, they did away with uh, meat on the uh, Sunday brunch and uh, on the during the week uh, the breakfast meal. So uh, they used to serve a you know a sausage or something like that on there. That's now gone. Some of them they don't even give us eggs on it anymore. Some of these meals don't even have 500 calories to the whole meal. So it wow. it's getting. They they did away with coffee here about a year ago. I mean it's just more and more things are just disappearing. So when they when they did away with coffee, did the like I don't know I could just see like a bunch of prisoners without caffeine. Did that have effect on the prison if they gave get away with coffee? Oh, I'm. They can show it in the commissary. Uh, like yes, uh, people can still buy you know instant coffee and use either hot tap water or some of the uh, housing units have a microwave in it, so you know you can microwave the water and, you, and make instant coffee in the cell blocks. My mom, said that, my mom said that don't taste very good. She I'm sorry? I said my mom was in prison for a couple of years, and she told me that don't taste very good. No, it, <laughs> but it's better than nothing at all. You would you would be amazed what people can do with ramen soup and peanuts and hard candies. <laughs> I mean, some of the most bizarre meals they put together, but some of them actually taste pretty good. <laughs> I think it's really because people it's just still make stingers. Do people still oh, make stingers to, to heat up things yeah. in the cell? <laughs> yeah. Would you tell our listeners a what stinger a stinger is? is? Yes. A stinger is some wires that people have stolen from anywhere they can get their hands on wires. And they put a, a coil of uh, stainless steel wire on the end. So they put the, co- the stainless steel wire down into a... Um, a cup of water that they intend to make coffee out of, they plug it into a, a receptacle, <laughs> and it heats the water when this coil gets hot down in the water. 
But people get zapped by it. They get burned by it. They knock out the breakers. I mean, <laughs> it's a disaster, but it's a way to get a cup of coffee. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, I guess if you're addicted to caffeine and you want you want some coffee, you're going to do what it takes to get coffee. Oh yeah, especially the people that were formerly addicted to methamphetamine. I think coffee's their replacement. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> wow. There's some people you just Greg, never see without Greg a cup of coffee in their hands. I, I've told Jean. people. Uh, I've told people who listen that you can get any kind of alcohol you want while you're in prison. Is that still the way it is? Oh, absolutely. They make it out of potatoes. They make it out of. Uh, ketchup and tomatoes, they make it out of Kool-Aid mix somehow. What? Um, we used to have uh, oranges and grapefruits and all that, and they, they used to make wine out of that. And Just by the smell of it, I'd be afraid to drink it, but a lot of them do. There's a lot of drunken people around. The, they make hooch out of all kinds of things. <laughs> um, so, Craig, I want to tell you something. Last night, um, so you know how you got adopted by Vicka. Well, George, this call is from a federal prison. George Monterano, who has a weekly segment on our show after yours, he spent 33 years in prison. He was really good friends with you, Well, they also adopted uh, him, and they adopted Jimmy Romans, the Seattle Hemp Fest did. So um, they adopted two prisoners, and since, you know, um, George got released, and they got a whole bunch of letters to help George. Um, and now, now what they do is they raise commissary money for Jimmy. So they had a party, a hemp fest party last night, and they invited me to come. And they got some of our letters um, printed that we had for the Canacon event, and they got a whole bunch printed up. And so Tony and I, and she's she's one of the voices of the cannabis war. We went there to their party, and we got about 50 letters signed for you too. And we showed your picture, we displayed your picture, and we showed everybody who you are and everything else. So um, I just want to let you know that. Um, we got a bunch of letters signed for you. Oh, well, thank you for thinking about me, and thank you for, for helping with those letters. Like I say, those those have to make such a big difference in the pardon attorney's office. Just to remind them, just because they have to pick up my file to put those with the file, I mean, they, they have to, it has to make a difference over the, I believe, 11,000 other petitions that I last heard were at the pardon attorney's office. But well, thank you so much. Well, you know, Billy Deco, we got about, you know, a couple hundred signed for him at the Portland Hemp Stock um, last fall. Or, yeah, no, no, fall, autumn, no, about August time. Yeah, fall. Anyway, we got a whole bunch of letters signed for him, and um, the president just released him. So I believe those letters are working, and so hopefully they'll work for you too. And you will be out of your life soon. <laughs> you know, I hope <laughs> at least as much as anyone else, if not more. Craig, when I told people, I when I tell people, you know, and Craig, he just repaired a truck um, that was scheduled to maybe possibly deliver marijuana, and he didn't even know about it, and they were just like shocked to hear it. Like, and then there's also a man. Um, um, I don't know if you know John Knock, but when I tell him, like, you know, John Knock, he's serving two two life sentences plus twenty years. Like, they would be pretty shocked to hear that. Or when I told them about Antonio serving 36 years and he's 81, like, they just, it was just devastating to them to find out that this is still going on in America. 
Oh, and like John Knock, of course I know his story through, you know, mainly through his sister Beth. But uh, I mean, he and I are both first-time offenders, and I mean, how is our dangerousness compared to people that have committed violent crimes and only serve up to 20 years for a violent crime? Well, there's actually I- a there's actually a federal crime that's named assault with a deadly weapon. Uh, which amounts in serious physical injury. That's actually a charge, and it carries up to 20 years. Now, why are John and I still in prison for life for marijuana when we have no prior convictions? No, nobody was hurt in either of our cases. You know. I well, mean, I told people that. I told people that you come on our radio show, and I told people that, you know, you watch murderers. I point to your picture and I say, people watch murderers come and go while he's still there for life. Yes, there, there's, like I say, that there's one that I can't see him right now, but I can see the cell he lives in, that he's going to be released in July. And he killed two federal marshals. But he has a parole date, and he'll be leaving in July. Wow. Hmm. But you'll never leave. You're, I mean, you will. I know you will, but according to them, you won't. No, as it stands right now, the only way I leave is when I'm dead. When and you also get enough letters. Or when we get enough letters signed. <laughs> Unfortunately, the way my sentencing uh, order reads is I, I have to serve my life sentence until I die, and then I have to be on supervised release for five years. I'm not really so sure So what are they going to do? Are they going to take your ashes and watch them, make sure they don't, or your body? And what, I mean, how are they going to watch you? Are you going to have a guard over your, over, your, um, over your casket? I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't like, know. I don't like know I me- either. I don't get like it. Like I mentioned, the dental department here, where five employees come to work every day, but they have not seen one patient since uh, November 27th. They just say that there's a, a pump that broke, and uh, they've decided that they're just not seeing any more patients. And they don't send them well, out anywhere. They don't, you know, send them to the prison. Because on one side of the prison here, there's a camp, you know, a, a federal prison camp. On the other side, there's a penitentiary. But uh, they won't send patients to there. And you should see there's a bunch of people with their cheeks all swollen up. You're so lucky you don't have an infection right now. How, you know, like, you could be really suffering. So what are they doing with they, if they don't get any, what are they doing? Are there infections spreading throughout their bodies? Yeah, they, these, now at least some of them. The, the regular doctors here have tried to prescribe them antibiotics and all that, you know, regarding their, you know, the infections they obviously have. But these people are just suffering, and the, the dental office just says, you know, too bad. We're close. And unfortunately, the assistant warden and the warden is backing them up, saying, you know, when they're ready to treat somebody, they will. That's and a nightmare. That is a nightmare to be locked up in a place where you can't get medical, you can't get help, you're just stranded. For the rest of your life, you didn't even have these days. It sounds like it's miserable. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, you know, here's your tax dollars. I figured out, you know, the combined salaries are, are over $400,000 a year, and yet they haven't treated one person since November. Wow. And there's, you know, right around 900 inmates here, and many of them, you know, come from backgrounds of drug addiction and that where they didn't take care of themselves and they especially didn't take care of their teeth. So there's a lot of people with bad teeth here. 
I think Gene yeah. will vouch for about half of the people are missing their teeth or have missing teeth. and A, a full mouth of teeth is pretty rare in federal prison. <laughs> well. But I, I'm just amazed that these people are obviously suffering with, you know, swollen up cheeks, and you can see their, you know, their eyes all bloodshot and all that. They're obviously feverish. And the this call is from a federal prison. The warden just shrugs, and the dental just, you know, if they go knock on the door or all that, they get in trouble for it. Hmm. That, that, that's, I think, the biggest problem. They get problem. in trouble if they knock on the door and ask for help. Oh, yes, because they, they find, they write them a, it's called an incident report or a shot, but uh, for being out of bounds, that they're not where they're supposed to be by knocking on the dental dentist's door and saying they have a dental emergency. <laughs> okay, so what are you supposed to do? It, I, I assume that my dad was in prison and my mom was in prison. You have to fill out a kite, right? Correct. Well, I remember my dad filled out dozens of those kites, and they were all ignored. There's a bunch of these people in the same situation, and they've been, you know, having trouble since around Christmas time. Wow. And and that's the sad part is there really is no oversight of the Bureau of Prisons. There's no real outside group that comes in and says, you know, talks to the inmates, looks around the prison, and sees if it complies with. I want to be that outside group. I want to be that outside group. I want to go in there and tell them what they need to they need to do and change. Like that. That's ridiculous. How come they're not monitored? Absolutely. Our country should have some standard of decency for prisons, you know. And yeah. Even, even yeah. if they do, that there's nobody to enforce them, that there's nobody that comes through and checks the prison. Wow. You know, of course, other than the Federal Bureau of Prisons employees themselves, which, you know. Yeah, no. Uh, you know what? They they watch so much mean stuff go on, and they don't say nothing. They just get their paycheck, I believe. That's that's why you know the argument about good guards versus bad guards. And I know, I know there's some good guards out there, but how can you tolerate what's going on back there and not stand up to it? That's what I don't understand. Well, unfortunately, a lot of these people fear for their jobs because a lot of the other staff members. You know, in and around the dental area and the medical area and all that are just appalled by what the dental department is doing. But again, they just shrug and say, there's nothing I can do. I can't, you know, get fired over this, you know. And I guess I can understand their point, but there, there should be somebody who does have power over this. It's somebody that, that, you know, that will hold a dentist accountable that looks at infected and sick people and just sends them away when he knows that there's no other place they can go. At least out on the street, if a dentist refuses to treat you, you can go down the street to another dentist. We don't have that option. And unfortunately, people people can die from, you know, uh, abscess teeth and, you know, whatever the related infections are called. I know. I've heard, I've heard horror These are not petty matters. But as you heard, the phone is beeping at me again. Yes, yes. Eugene, are you still on the line? Yes, I'm, I'm listening, and I'm thinking, Craig, that how what, that situation is in contrast to uh, uh, case law that's developed that says a prisoner must be given equal uh, treatment as if he were in the street. 
That's true, and the Bureau's uh, dental policy states the exact same thing. Pro- program Statement 4600, I just read it. Well, that's the second beep, so I want to uh, thank everybody that you know contributed to those letters this week and to everybody that's helping shine a light on you know what's happening to us and what's happened in our, our crazy laws that puts people like John and I away for life for marijuana as first-time offenders in our 40s. Wow, wow. Well, listeners, for all of our listeners, that was uh, Craig Cecil, who is serving a life sentence in our plant, or in our prison for our plant. Um, he is not forgotten causing on this radio show every single week, risks going into lockdown after 13 years just to get his voice to be heard. And it's being heard loud and clear as, you know, not just the Seattle Hemp Fest at their party this weekend, but Stephanie Landa and Amy Pova and Sherry Sicard and um, Adele Falk with 420, um, 420 um, POW420, they all drive the human solution to get, you know, attention to bring to these, these prisoners. Um, but next, we're going to hopefully go to Georgia Monterano. Uh, Eugene, do you, uh, Mindy, are you there? Because we have a call on the line, and I'm not sure if it's him or not. Um, but if you're not there, I know Mindy's going through a few things on the on the back end, so I'm going to switch over and screen that call. Eugene, do you want to um, do you want to okay. talk to the listeners real quick? Okay, hold on. Talk sure. to the listeners real quick. Okay. As you all heard from from Thank Craig, you for calling uh, the voice. Oh, hold on, Eugene. As you all heard, Craig Craig gave us a, as he usually does, uh, uh, stories and, and and insights into what what happens behind bars, and uh, the latest thing, it might sound small or trivial, but it's not when you can't get, you're in prison and you can't get proper medical care, you can't get dental care, for no good reason, uh, it's it becomes a significant thing, and. Uh, Eugene, we have George Monterano on the line right now. Good morning, George. Oh, good morning, George. Hi, I, I want to introduce hi, George. Hi, hi, George. I just want to let our, our 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 listeners know this is George Monterano, who served 33 years in prison and who is a free man now. And this is uh, Georgie's corner. Good morning, George. Okay, Georgie. So, hi, Gene. <laughs> give, give, give us a poem today. Well, I didn't. I didn't. You told me tonight open mic, so I just want to tell you a story. Okay. You know, an interesting story. When I was nineteen, uh, I was I was at Woodstock. You know, so everyone knows Woodstock. And, so you're uh, a hippie. You were I, I a hippie. heard about it. Yes, I was at I was at Woodstock. I was at the first big free movement over half a million people, and. Uh, I was very unprepared. No one expected to have them numbers, and uh, it was just—it was just—it was everything was bottled up. There was not enough food. There was not enough water. And uh, I meet a farmer, and the farmer was very perturbed. He was very upset. He says, "I can't get my eggs to market." And I looked at him and I says, "Eggs to market?" I says, "You have a half a million people here that are hungry." So I went on to devise. Uh, I, I got a horse trough. And I built this fire, and I started hard, selling hard-boiled eggs from his uh, his supply of eggs, two for a quarter. And I had a line about as long as a football field for a day and a half. 
and we had buckets of all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, chains and dollar bills. But most of the people were paying with joints. So we had we had buckets of joints, and uh, the farmer didn't know what to do with that. So after I couldn't stand up anymore, I said, "Listen, I'm taking my my end." And I had some, I had cash sucked all over me, and I took the the pot with me, and then I went and slept on the tree, and uh, then I woke up and started selling the, selling the pot because a lot of the, a lot of the numbers, and there was thousands and thousands and thousands. And then, um, you know, when it was over, I was so tired again, I fell asleep in a car, and next thing I knew, I was being uh, awakened, and I had to show my ID because uh, we were at the Canadian border. So... <laughs> So I went into I went into Canada, Montreal, and uh, I, went, I stood at a rooming house, and I had a, a had a fell in love with the rooming house's daughter, and uh, in a short time I was broke. <laughs> <laughs> all the hard boiled eggs, and I, the family had a lot of trouble. They had a, the father needed a snow plow, and the boarding house needed to be fixed up, and. Uh, I just, I remember I had one last joint in my pocket. I found it and wrapped up. And, you know, I'm days just had a jean in the shirt. I found my, one last joint after being there a while. And I smoked that joint and got the hell out of there. And that's a true story. That sounds like a farmer's daughter story, George. That well, sounds like a farmer's daughter story. Well, the essence of the story, marijuana has been in our lives, my life and many others, Decades ago, in a good light, in a good light, no one harmed anyone at the Woodstock, uh, and it was not one death, and there was plenty, <clears throat> plenty of weed there. So uh, I just don't understand. I just don't understand why we're considered such monsters and get these sentences and never, never to come home, never to come. So I just wanted to share that with you, Gene. George, do you remember when you were a, a kid like, uh, in Philly and I was a kid in New York, the movie lines, you'd go to the movie lines and there'd be so much marijuana being smoked that you'd get get high just inhaling the, the smoke and the cops would come by and not do anything. Remember that, right, George? Right, right, right. Well, then you so get you guys, into that low. Go ahead. So I don't want to interrupt, but we have Stephanie Landa, and she is um, dying to get on to talk to you guys, like, right now. She she remembers those times, and I'm just going to put her on here. She has something she wants to say to you, George. Go ahead, Stephanie. Are you there? Hi. Hi, George. Hi, Hi Steph. How are you Hi, doing? Kristen. I'm doing good. So I was at Woodstock, too. But instead oh, okay. of eggs for two for a quarter, we were selling hits so that you didn't know if you were hungry or not. Okay. But there was so much LSD there. Was, there was 400,000 people. Steph, did you get close to the bands? Did you imagine you get close to the bands? <clears throat> I sling pot. Of course I was uh, close to the band. Oh, okay. I mean, it was like, it even was back getting, then. Yeah, it was difficult getting close to the bands. There were so many, such tens of thousands there. I know. You know only one road in and one road out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One road in, one road out. It, yeah. it was a very yeah. exciting era, and I don't understand why pot's illegal either, of course. I've been hiding for 58 years. Right. Like, that's a long time to hide. 
I mean, right. I'm, sti- I'm out in the open now, but I'm still a little scared, you know. I'm still like, you know, any day anything could happen. You know, they keep telling you, oh, it's legal, come do it, and then they lock you up. Like, you know, they're just, it's not, and it has nothing to do with pot. That's what makes me so mad. It's hemp. The powers that be that are in the government do not want hemp to be legal, and pot was just the rue. It had nothing to do with with anything. It was just an easy way to make people prejudiced against right, hemp. right. Right. So, yeah, so the whole thing, it doesn't make any sense because it doesn't make any sense. You know, there's just, there, it can't make sense, which is well, really Well, hard. you know, back in back in the day, marijuana, you got it from people that it was a culture. You know, these countries that grew it in abundance, it was part of the culture. But then you naturally, you took it here, which was illegal, and it was in our culture. And, uh they, they came out as like enemies of the state. It might not have been your culture, George, but when I was like 12, it was my culture. Like, I thought that this was like, this is life. This is right. our life. And till this very second, it's my life. And is my life should be illegal, really? Like, really? Well, so well, where I go. Everywhere I go, every function of, of every level of entertainment, every level of private parties, I'm talking about socialites in this city. Every level, they all, they all, uh, you know, go go to a spot and they all smoke. And here, here's I. I did 32 plus years for it, and I can't even puff it because I'm on paper. And every level, every level of society here in this town, Philadelphia, are smoking it. And because oh, yeah. they just passed an ordinance here that you could you could have a small amount, well here am I, <laughs> you know basically people like us, you know we suffered for it. Now these people are doing it, and I sit there and I can't I can't even have a puff. Jeff. Well, I did, but you know, <laughs> like Tom, <laughs> you're a gangster. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Really? Really? I thought it was just like a little Jewish old lady. Well, Stephanie, um, I'm going to, um, we've we've got more coming from Stephanie in just a second. We've got, Stephanie's going to update us on her, or the Freedom Grow um, commissary fund in just a second. Um, But George is going to read a a poem, I think, and we're going to have Tony on to tell him what's going on at the Seattle Hemp Fest this weekend. Oh, no, this week week I just told that that I don't have a poem this week because I'm actually, I'm walking walking up and down the block of a family function. We have a christening. We have a small child christening and a fair today. So I've been... uh, Basically acting as the man, the man of the house today. So I'm actually walking oh, well. up and down the, the street. Now that George, that's a big event when you can, uh, uh, like you, I was incarcerated so many years and we couldn't aff- attend family events like Christian, Christian and right. marriages and so on. It's a big event, isn't it, George? Yeah, in the Italian community, Christian, you know, we have the church, we have the church waiting, we have the house, well, we have the household decorated. And then we all walk, it would be 50 or 60 of us, we all walk to the church. And the church is, uh, you know, we have the ceremony. 
and then we all go to this big uh, luncheon fair. So it's a very, it's very traditional. So basically, uh, I'm looking at the house right now, all decorating the front of the house. So I, I I couldn't deliver a poem because I've been so busy. It's a family function, but I delivered the story on uh, on uh, days of old, the days of old. Uh, you're the man. George, I was going to ask you, I forgot to ask you at the last show, but how is your job going with you picking up the little girls from school, after school? Oh, yeah. Well, I had to go get the report card. Uh, I had to go pick up the report card at, at uh, Thursday at 12. And uh, I have a friend that has an eatery near the school. So uh, what I did is I told that particular class that they had to uh, uh, this was very nice. We went and bought a bunch of boxes of donuts, and we had her class that they, they with the parents' permission, but it was right across from the school, very uh, very pleasant neighborhood. And uh, you would bring your report card, and uh, I was there, and my friend of mine was there, and we look at your report card, and you get a big donut if you were up to par, right? And But naturally, you know, any child, and we had a line, we had a line for about an hour all these kids because it got around to the other classes. So it was very enjoyable. I'm interacting with the school. The school goes up to eighth grade and they want me to talk to the eighth graders, you know, of deterrent it's deterrent talk, not to not to get in any trouble, etc. So I'm loving every Aww. minute of it. Oh, that's so that's so sad. I really enjoyed hearing your stories about about that about that particular story. It's really it really makes me smile when I think about it. Um, but I want to tell you, you know, and I want to let our, all of our listeners know that not too long ago, a couple of years ago or so, the Seattle Hemp Fest they decided to adopt two prisoners and take care of them. And um, I was I was I was deeply involved in the adoption and and talked with them about it. And I was so happy to see that their adoption. It turned major to where they had posters made for you, you and Jimmy Romans, and they posted them all over the Hemp Fest throughout the, this year and last year. And when they did events, they'd have posters posted up, and they talked about you, and they made signs, and they held it for you at their marches. And they did a lot of commissary fundraise, and they generated over 500 letters trying to get you released. Um, and now right. that you are released, yes, now that you are released, they've been trying to get you out so you could speak at their campus. Um, anniversary. So what yeah, they, what in August, they did last in August, night, I have the I have the invite, Kristen, in, in August, and I I plan to get there, but I have to get. Uh, I told them, uh, you know, I'm on paper probation, so I'm pretty sure if they would get me to at least speak at the same time at an, some type of institution of learning, I probably would, right. would be, be, be wouldn't be then while I'm there. Naturally, I'll stop at the entrance, but. It's a, it's a well, delicate situation, but I'm working on it. Right. Okay. Well, last night they had a party, and like they always do, and they they were raising commissary funds, and they also had letters for our prisoners, and they did a lot of outreach for you. And I'm going to have one of our voices of the Kansas War. Her name is Tony. Um, she's one of my friends out here. She goes with me uh, to events, and she she helps get letters for prisoners who are serving life sentences, and she cares a lot about our prisoners. So I'm going to have her tell you just a little bit about what outreach was like and how much we talked about you and they talked about you last night. Um, good morning, Tony. Good morning, everyone. Hi, Kristen. How are you guys? Hi. 
Hi, Tony. Um, so it's Tony, hi. hi. Thank you for having me on this morning. It's an honor to talk to all of you. So, Tony, let's tell George just a little bit about, um, about like, how Hepfest was and how big of a part he was of it. And he wasn't even there, but he was a huge part, big part of their party that they had last night. Oh, it was. And they were, they, it was um, exciting to show everyone that, you know, it, just taking the time to write uh, your name on, on a form can make a difference into getting somebody freed. Um, uh, you were a badge of honor for uh, Hempfest. They're very proud, and they're, I know they're working diligently to get you out here um, this summer. So, um, well, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm working I, here. But the way to do it, Tony, is to tell the tell the troops out there. I need a letterhead invite for some institutional learning in Seattle. Could be just okay. it's a school. Okay. So, they, okay. because the probation people are treating me fine. They treated me fine in Florida, and they're treating me fine here. I mean, they have a job to do. They're decent people. But I need, for them to give me the approval, I have to meet them halfway. And basically, I would need a letterhead from an invite from an institution of learning. Well, I'll, I'll, like let them, I'll let them know, George. Um, but I want to also mention that they go on their microphone you know, and they make announcements. Come over here and buy these raffle ticket tickets. It helps our prisoners. It's going on Jimmy Roman's commissary and help to help get George out here. And they they talk about you and they tell the whole everybody who comes to the party on their microphone all about George Monterano every single time they get on that microphone. So like the whole entire the whole entire party is just you know George Monterano this George Monterano that. You're like. You're like a celebrity there. I just, I just want you to know that. So. Well, I appreciate um, that. When I and I try to meet that, I try to meet that with total respect by continuing, continue as a writer and poet. You know, now the day goes by when I don't publish on the internet. Now the day goes by, yeah. and then I do the YouTube's, and which is, you know, it takes time. It takes time to do this. I wake up very early in the morning and I publish. So, because I know all my West Coast friends are are reviewing that and reading that and enjoying that. So I, I'm doing my best to stay to stay in the race with everyone. So no, you're doing really state. good out here. You don't even worry yeah, about out here. We got paper, you covered I'll out here. Out there. Yeah. I'll be out there. Me and Gene, <laughs> me and Gene, yeah. have our have our convertible, and we'll be we'll be we'll be out there. Oh, wow. oh, you guys give me a ride somewhere. I want to go. Yeah, yeah ride. we'll be out there. <laughs> we'll have a, a red convertible, a red convertible, big Cadillac convertible. Right, right. I'll I'll take I'll I'll take you guys you guys can I'll show you guys where to get, where to go we I got lots of fun places yeah. where we can go yeah, yeah it was like I said uh, I just need that uh, we well this month is uh, we have uh, we have uh, March April May so we have time to get me the letter and then I'll right. okay okay yeah all right well, all right. Gene, 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 will, well Gene, on the Gene will know what to sure. do Gene will know what to do okay well Tony thanks. Thanks for coming on. Um, is there anything you thank want to say you again to you, for having me? Um, yeah, thank, thank you, you for the opportunity, and I look forward to seeing you guys all at the next event. Take care, everyone. Thank right, you. Thanks, Tony. Okay, thank Tony, you, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Okay, Bye. Georgie, thank you. Thank you for George's Corner. It's a big highlight of our program every week, George. Okay, I just wanted to share that story about the Woodstock, and I'll have a poem for you guys next week. 
All right, okay. cool. Thank you. I just, right. I'd like to Take end the interview and just say this. I want our listeners to think about this for a second. Here's a man, George Matarano. He's, he's a brother of mine. Here's a man who was locked up for 33 years, but he, the, peop, the community thinks enough about him. They let their little kids be walked home from school with this man who was locked up for 33 years. Think about that for a second, people. Yeah, and the principals all like me. They get, they always give me a kiss and hug. They're all girls. <laughs> I love every minute of it. And, Judge, uh, I will, know, we'll leave uh, for another broadcast your your Lonely Hearts program that you started. We'll leave that for another right. program. All right. See you, talk to you this week and talk to you next week, James. Okay. Thank you. Thank uh, you very much, George. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye, George. Shall we bring Stephanie on? Well, Stephanie dropped off. Oh, she did? So, yes, she did. So I sent her a message, and I asked her to come back on. In fact, I'm going to call her that, on. Uh, why she dropped off? You know what happened? She she heard about Woodstock, and she got sentimental thinking about the good times. <laughs> That's cute. Um, I'm going to call her and merge her in. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, while we're waiting, um, I want you all, I want the listeners to pay attention, attention I, to the presidential election. You're on election. the radio. I think, I think you got dropped off, but. I um, did. Yes, we didn't want to lose you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Stephanie. <laughs> you're live good on the morning. radio. I just called you on, I called you on three-way on my phone while we were doing the show, so. Okay, uh, great, great. Hi, everybody. Stephanie, so I, am, I told I oh, yeah. told the listeners I told the listeners you dropped off because you got sentimental thinking about Woodstock. <laughs> Probably, but not really. I would never drop off. Um, like willingly. I'm, I'm just I'm just teasing you. I me too. <laughs> anyway, okay. I am on like a super, super big high because I even have a cramp in my hand from writing out the postal money orders and the envelope oh. address. And, you know, it's like the most I've ever done at one time. And I'm That's just a like, lot. Ah. You did 70 oh. of them. Right? I am so thrilled. You just don't even Stephanie, know. No, I haven't you even are a real. You are a real hero. What you're doing. And getting money to the books of prisoners. This lady, for our listeners, is a real hero. She's really implementing. I don't know anybody in the movement that does as much to get money to prisoners and get, a, get their commissary money to them. And we want to, we want to thank know, you for that. We, oh, thank you, thank you. Thank, I can't do it without everyone else. I want everyone to know that this is like a group thing where – I am going to the post office because it makes me super high, but you're the ones that are sending me to the post office. I'm not just going on my own, you know. I mean, it costs me money, but not as much as I'm sending. Like, I'm just in, I can't believe how people are just standing up. You know, if Steve Cubby could be listening or somebody that knows him, he stood up one night and they were having like a Facebook argument on Facebook, you know, like with him and Mark Emery, and I was like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop. Don't have an argument, just send me money. And I put my 
website, you know, because, like, that tells them. Well, Steve Cubby went right away and switched for $420. Oh, Immediately in the middle of the argument to, like, hello. That's how we can get this out of us. We don't have to argue with each other. We could just send money and feel the energy from the prisoners that are, like, brushing their teeth with real toothpaste, calling home, talking to their kids, getting a stamp for an envelope to send out a thank you to me. I mean, it's like they're spending the money I'm sending them to send it back to me. That stamp is like, I I know that nobody considers 43 cents a lot, but try making like nine cents an hour and then think about 43 cents. So it's just like everything's in a perspective. And I am, what? I wanted to tell you something that Craig Cecil, you might not have heard him today, but he told us, so you understand being an ex-prisoner, the coffee that has been cut off entirely in the Bureau of Prisons. They don't even give prisoners coffee when they go to breakfast or, or go to a meal in the cafeteria. So they're dependent on buying coffee through the commissary. It's the only way they can get it. Well, for your coffee lovers, I guess that counts. I don't drink coffee, so, like, the toothpaste is really important. And shoes. You know what? You have to wear black steel tip boots unless you have money to buy a pair of sneakers. Like, that's how crazy the prison is. It's total torture for a lot, a lot of people. I wasn't one of them because, you know, I put away money like that. But most people think, and especially nowadays, everybody's like, oh, it's legal. We're legal. Everything's okay. And then they trick us and send us to prison. It's just like... It's hard for me to see new people going to prison. That's really difficult. The old people, okay, we knew for sure it was illegal. But now we know for sure it's legal and we're still going to prison. So I don't see the real difference in the whole... I just don't see the difference in it. It's legal so that they can round us up quicker. So Stephanie, I want to I want to let our listeners know just a little bit uh, more of what's going on here. So just recently, Stephanie raised seven thousand dollars for some commissary funds. So when she's talking about her hands hurting because she had to fill out not just a few money orders but seventy of them, um, <laughs> <laughs> right? So the um, best cramp I ever had. Right. Well, also there's Mindy, who's um, who we can't have on right now, but Mindy's helped help with this along the way. Um, so we want to. Yes, yeah, she. Well, no, Mindy. She sent thank you, not thank you, announcements to every prisoner at, with my address, so that they could like actually thank me. Do you know how much work that is? Sending a letter to yeah. every single prisoner. I know. I she, mean, she told me that I have sat down. She said, and I hand wrote a letter to every single prisoner, and I just felt the warmth, like that is straight love. And then what you're doing, and all just all the love combined, is gotten them seven thousand dollars worth of help that they truly need. So now I want okay, if people are listening to this and they are compelled to help, just like we all are compelled to help. Um, I have shared your um, your website. It's it's freedomgrow.org. Um, to my patients, push my button. 
Yes, it's also on our Voices of, of Cannabis War Facebook page, so you can find the link there, or just mm-hmm. go freedom freedomgrow.org. And then what do they do from there, Stephanie? They they just there's a button there's a button on every page, and you could just like um, push the button and make a donation. You could push the button that says make it every month, or just make it once, and um, then it'll go right on PayPal. And it'll go right in Freedom Grow bank account, and then that goes right to the post office. Okay, well that's how uh, you just like Steve Hubby did. That's yes, just Hubby like did. Steve Hubby, everybody for four hundred twenty dollars. Mark Emery, it's your turn. Wait, it don't have to be four hundred that much. So let, let I just want to clarify this: four hundred twenty dollars. It takes it a prisoner four dollars and twenty cents. Right, and and it takes a prisoner approximately five or six months to make $420 because they only pay them about $0.12 cents an hour, and that's only about $10 a month if they're lucky. So, you know, $10 would be the difference in what they're, what they're making in prison. Like $20 or $40, it would just buy them, you know, soap, food, snacks, the things it takes just to survive, the basics. But $100 would spoil them a little bit in the way that they can, might buy a sweatshirt to go along with it or some some of the little cheap shoes that they're allowed to wear or just you know besides the steel toed boots they might be able to buy some flip-flops or something to wear in the shower okay. um, your money really will help them because they you know they need you right now and Stephanie's website yeah. Stephanie's website is that that tool in the middle it takes to, to get your help to write straight to a plant prisoner and I post everybody that 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 gives, unless they tell me not to, of course. But like, I take a screenshot of it and I post it on Facebook. Everybody really likes that. And then I post the postal money orders right after. So like, you can follow your money and cool. write to the mailbox. Cool. I love it. I love it. I love it too. Yeah, I feel I like mean, you know, if you're you're in the movement. You know, and you're you're benefiting off the plant in some way. You got to know that there's there's people that's fallen before you that need your help, and you know, and a lot of it we don't know that people need our help, and but now you do. So if you can't help, you know, share the website link, share the story, let people know that you know these prisoners do need help, and you know, try to get them some help. You know, I know not everybody can afford it, but your voice is just really big and plays a big huge part in getting them help. So, you know, be a voice and, and get them some help. Share the website, freedomgrow.org. And if any corporations are listening, because, like, of course, I don't know if I know any. Um, right. Because, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm a hippie girl. But <laughs> if they are listening, I have a 501c3, and I can give them, like, a little piece of paper that says that they have, you know, to a charity that they get a tax write-off. So if those kind of people are listening, call me, 818-652-7891. Yay. (laughs) You never know, you know. Right, right. Okay, well, that's all I have to say. Oh, 420, I know in L.A. we are going to do something, and I will be collecting again on 420. You know, I collect every day, but. You know, okay, really so and truly. Next I'm event, gonna, 420. Where is it going to be at? In LA? 
uh, in L.A., but we're not sure where, but I'm going to have slushies. Oh, oh, my gosh. I know that part. <laughs> oh, I know the so, Seattle Hemp Fest. That, that'd be cool because you're going to be down there probably getting letters signed to sell and co- doing commissary, and the Seattle Hemp Fest is having a party up here on 420, and they're, they do the same thing. We're going to be getting letters signed and trying to raise commissary probably for Jimmy Roman. So that's cool. We're oh, great. I just sent Jimmy sell. Roman $100. Yay! Yay! So, cool. I kicked off your fundraising for him. Yeah, he's gonna be. He's <laughs> make gonna sure, help. make sure he doesn't have like anything that he has to pay money for, you know, because then you'll have to put it in slowly. Okay. Okay, I'll let him know. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. You don't want them to just take it away. Yeah. No, he doesn't deserve that. He's serving life, a life sentence for. No, I know, but it, but they even lifers owe millions of dollars, right, Gene? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What Stephanie means, what happens is they, if you have a court cost or a fine or something, they'll take incoming money and only give you twenty percent of it for your commissary for your books. So you got a hundred dollars coming in. If you have a fine or something, they can take like eighty dollars and apply it, and you have no choice. But usually, well, a hundred dollars is keeping under their limit of what. Because, like, when I was there, girls would get $100, but if they got 150 then they would take part of it. But I guess $100 is some kind of a, I don't know. I don't, anyway, I don't that's think, why I don't spend think, that much. Yeah, that might have been in your local prison. In the prisons I was in, they, it didn't have any limit. They take took your money, period. They spend 20 at a time. <laughs> So, Stephanie, I um I told you, Jean, but I haven't told you because I haven't talked to you, and I haven't told our listeners, but um, this would be a good time to tell you, just right in front of the listeners, that, okay, so my mom, so for all of our listeners that know, my mom, my mom also went to prison for a plant, and she went to prison for two years, and she got on, and she's been on probation. Um, she was sentenced to four years of probation. So she lives in my house, so it's kind of like being on probation, too, because at any point the feds can come in and search your house and take my mom back or keeper or whatever they want to do they drug test her and she's just been part of probation now for two years well after probation uh, if you're on probation for two years or half you serve half your time then you could um, your probation officer can ask that you be released if you've been good well of course my mom's been good because she's good and so the probation officer (laughs) (laughs) they filled out the paperwork she told her a couple like last week they spent two days filling out the paperwork to get her off of probation and now they need a prosecutor to sign to to prove it and a judge to sign off on it, and then she might be off probation soon. So, oh, so cool. it happened That's... for me. I got off in half time too. My, actually, my yeah, brother couldn't yeah. wait to get rid of me. Oh, because I yeah, I called him twice a day, every single day, the entire time I was on probation. <laughs> See, my check in too, but not that much. She, oh, yeah, to check in. Okay. So they okay. want to get rid of you because they have to make a note every time you check in. Okay. So, yeah, he was, like, so ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm excited. Like, I cannot wait, because then I won't be tied to him. She won't be tied to him. It'll oh, no, just... the feeling is so different. It's so funny that she's living with her daughter, because I always said I lived with my mother. You know, oh, okay. like, no matter where I lived, I lived at my mother's house. <laughs> so it's so well, funny she's living with her daughter. Well, think about it. Like she, you know, they took my my dad got killed in prison by the by the feds, and so she couldn't go home to her husband, and so she had to come to me. And you know, 
she lost everything. She couldn't go back to her house because the feds took the house. The feds took everything. So they let her come to Washington. So she's she's with me now. <laughs> I know. It's just like the apologies are going to be I, – I just can't even imagine. I, I can't imagine what's going to happen when people get, you know, get their minds back. Right. I just can't even imagine it, you know, because yeah. – it's just just going to be, you know, some other different, I don't know. I just don't even know what to think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what do you think about all this? How long did that process take for you from the time they wanted you off to the time you actually got off of probation? Um, let me see. I know it was more than a month because I know I was complaining the next time I saw him. And then I think it was before the second time I had to, like, actually go in and see him. Okay. And, and I just got a letter in the mail. He didn't oh. call me anything. I got a letter oh. in the mail that's saying, hi, you're off probation. Oh, wow. <laughs> that means you took it off two days and still it. <laughs> I know. I was like, God, I'm glad I checked the mail. <laughs> like, all the stuff I've did, given you guys, you couldn't just call me and tell me. I know. Take a clue. Know. Well, Take you know, a check clue your mail. Stephanie. Take a clue from Stephanie and tell your mother to call in every day, and then they'll be tired of listening to her too. <laughs> really, that's true. They do get tired of listening, you know. Like my doctor, I got to take Marinol when I was in prison and when I was in on probation. Some people don't get to take it, but my probation officer said, "Okay, I'll call your doctor," and he called him up. An hour and a half, my doctor had him on the phone, and he was like, okay, you can take it, and I don't want to ever talk to your doctor again. <laughs> so it was just like it depends on who your doctor is and if he's going to go to bat for you. Mine said I would die. Wow. So, you know, and, of course, that gives you a positive test. It's, a, it's from the pharm- pharmacy, but it gives you a positive test for THC. So they really don't like it when you take it. But if you're going to die and your doctor says so, they're going to let you take it. Right. So they didn't let Tom take it. But he they didn't, didn't think either. he didn't think that he was going to die. I knew I was going to die. <laughs> well, um, you, Stephanie, is there anything else you want to tell our listeners? We've got um, we've got one more guest coming on. No, I love everybody. I'm so glad that you called me back. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for, for calling in in the first place. We love you. And and I love you. Have the greatest day ever. Thank you. Call me on the outside. I will, I will. Bye. All right, bye. Love you. Love right, you. Right. That was Stephanie Landa, an ex-POW who spent time in federal custody for our plant behind bars and is here to help others. Um on a regular basis, as long as I've known her. I met her, I met Stephanie a few years ago um, on the cannabis trip. Um, I, and I talk about this trip. In fact, I, I talk about I talked about the cannabis trip when I was at doing my, my speaking panel, Eugene, in, um, at Canacon. I talked about um, the bus and Stacy and her uncle. And that's where I met Stephanie, too, is on that trip. And she's been part of my life ever since. Eugene, I know you, you met her through... Um, I've met her through the radio program of The Human Solution, and we've been friends uh, uh, ever since for a couple of years now. 
Uh, wow. so that's, how, that's how I got involved in, in the movement. When uh, Back when you had the radio program with Joe, and uh, she said to me, uh, I want to be your friend. And it touched me that someone would say that. She says, I know how you've been tortured, and I want to be your friend. And uh, ever since then, we've been friends. Yeah. It shows you how how voices. Are you still there, Stephanie? Oh my God. We thought you were Todd. Oh, we're talking about you. We didn't know that. We didn't know that. (laughs) How are you here? How are you here, Stephanie? It's so nice. I got to be a fly on the wall. Oh, I forgot I called you on conference, and I I thought you dropped off. So we, sometimes we just kind of finish up a, a conversation with our final thoughts, and we. we well, I meant everything I positively anyway. So. That was okay. so nice. Okay, now I can take on the day. <laughs> bye. All right, bye. We love you. Okay, bye bye. I love you. Okay, bye. Christian, who's coming on next? Well, Who do we have coming um, on? We, We've got um, Tom Tom Corby. Um, this is, we're going to finish up the show just a little bit early today. Um, we, but we've got Tom Corby coming on. And after Tom, we are going to a closing. We're going to talk about some of during the closing. I don't know if any of our listeners ever stay tuned for the whole show because I know it's a long time. But um, every show I do a special closing for our prisoners that have passed away. Not necessarily our prisoners, but some of our war- warriors and some of our strongest leaders out there that are no longer here. Um, and I do a little rest in peace to them and tell everybody why they should help in prohibition, especially on behalf of them. So stay tuned for that. It's coming up. But first, we're going to talk about to Tom Corby. Tom Corby is a leader for the Human Solution. He's a chapter coordinator, and he brings a lot of heart and soul right to the front lines of our movement. Um, he believes in court support and prison outreach, which is what the human solution, two major aspects of their group are. And Tom represents it very, very well as he stays in regular contact with prisoners through letters. Um, and he's also been a defendant, so he knows what it's like to be faced with cannabis crimes. And he doesn't just you know, have say, hey, this is what happened to me and walk away. He stays there and fights for all the rest of the people in his town that are facing charges as well and organizes court support and does so much. He's, you know, he's an older man with uh, so much inspiration. I, I can hardly, I don't think, if I lived in this town, I don't even think I would be able to keep up with him. He does so much. Um, he has his wife, Donna, who also does quite a bit as well. But we're going to talk to Tom, and he's going to tell us the latest news that's going on in California um, and what, what's what's going on with his outreach in Northern California. Good morning, Tom. Top of the day, Kristen, Eugene, and I want to thank all the folks on the front line to help us deschedule cannabis, free all our POWs, and pro- prohibition in this failed drug war. Uh, in Northern California, uh, we could uh, continue to set precedents uh, also with CCHI, uh, 2016. Uh, you can go to the website at cchi2016.org. Help us in California uh, to get the needed 600,000 signatures by April 20th. It looks like uh, we're doing pretty good on that level. Uh, when we talk about petition gathering, uh, 
and rallying, the word rally, I like uh, also when we rally for meetings, court to court, uh, we come together in unity and we put our risks aside. Uh, in Butte County, uh, uh, you all know, uh, most of you, that we've been fighting uh, Measure A for nine years now, uh, taking our growing rights away. And also up in Shasta County, they're fighting another Measure A. Uh, the supervisors uh, in Butte County here uh, overnight uh, put uh, added some amendments to Measure A that are unacceptable. Uh, the officers can come in without a warrant and uh, just come in and bust your garden now. They don't even need a complaint. Uh, also, we know as cannabis patients uh, and users, uh, we're guilty till proven innocent. And now that's on the record uh, uh, with the supervisors as one of their amendments that even if we go up in front of a judge, we have to prove our innocent, we are guilty. We had three weeks to get 6,200 signatures, three weeks on two referendums. Uh, one referendum is our right to grow under agriculture. They're trying to take cannabis out of the agriculture role. Uh, guidelines, which is unacceptable. Uh, the second amendment uh, is due process. That's a huge word, folks. Due process, if the Butte County supervisors do not back down on these amendments, we're going to take them on to vote again, again, in Butte County in November. And uh, getting these signatures, we meet a lot of new people. It also helped us get more CCHI signatures to get that on the ballot. And RIP Jack here, uh, his goal and vision, of, as I bring out before, is the same as the Human Solution International.org, is again to end prohibition and free our POWs. Uh, we have, uh, as far as court support goes, in Nordic California more, I look at my calendar the last three years, and it was, sometimes it's booked across with different cases. I don't have that anymore. I look across my calendar here. I have tomorrow morning, I have Dan Levine. A lot of you know that name well in Northern California, Butte County. Uh, he's been taking Butte County on for years. Uh, he's fought criminal cases and won them. He will not plea bargain. That is our mindset for most parts. We do not plea bargain. We take them on to trial is our mindset. They targeted Dan Levine a couple years ago on uh, uh, moving dirt uh, a violation, over 50 yards of dirt. Uh, we went to uh, his hearing uh, a couple years ago, and he actually won his case. Uh, now uh, he's, take, he's going on to trial uh, in Chico, California, uh, tomorrow morning on road grading trial at 115. 150 Remington Drive in Chico, California, 95928. Uh, court support is requested for at least local oh. yes, uh, residents. So he's taking Butte County on. Uh, this is our mindset, folks. We take them on. We stand our ground. We don't give up. We don't plea bargain. Uh, uh, and so Dan will be in tomorrow morning. Uh, I have a letter back. We talk about uh, prisoner outreach program and the human solution. Uh, 
there's nothing more important to a prisoner in there. Think about it if it was you. All they really have is mail calls, the most important time of all. And when you get these letters back, these heartfelt letters, you get tears uh, to what's happening inside these, these prisons. Uh, we are getting, uh, with these pardon letters, uh, thank Christian, uh, I, I, I saw your post where you got a couple hundred pardon letters going up at a van. Oh, and that's yeah, awesome. That was, it was so, so uh, yeah. exciting to be part of getting those yeah, letters. Yeah. I just love it. Right, and listen, when when you when you write the letter to to the uh, Obama's uh, pardon attorney and uh, Cole, the attorney assistant attorney general Cole, also uh, send a copy to the prisoner, so he can share it with his attorneys, uh, or when he goes up for consideration, he'll have a copy of that letter, and also he would love to hear from you. Uh, this letter I received back. This is a new letter from the many letters I get from prisoners. Uh, Mark Hoke, uh, he's in uh, Morgantown, North Carolina, uh, 5150 Western Avenue. Uh, his number is 0186855. But I would like to write him. Uh, probably going to post this letter uh, on Facebook so people can write. They could do that too. Uh, uh, Mark says, uh, Tom and Donna Corby, hello. hello, my name is Mark Oak. I can writing you from a prison in North Carolina. I am serving a sentence for drug charges, not cannabis, but I find, found your address for Coralink's pen pals. I am very interested in legalizing of cannabis. I no longer plan on to be involved in any other illegal drugs. That's the point I want to make here. Uh, myself and many uh, got off the harder drugs and even alcohol and just choose cannabis now. Uh, many people uh, uh, are doing this, which is really great, and a lot of the young uh, people that we deal with. Uh, he goes on to say, but I am interested in growing legal cannabis. I was wondering if any way possible you could send me some information about what state is legal to grow and what is the laws. I also am interested in getting to know you and be a pen pal. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you. Just his address again here, 5150 Western Avenue, Morgantown, North Carolina, 28655. Uh, he says, if you know any other that would like to write me, I would love to hear from them. Uh, please uh, give them my address out there. Okay, I want to thank uh you all today uh, come come together in energy uh, to have gold vision. It's our bond of light, gold vision. Uh, thanks, Eugene Christian, uh, Craig Cecil, George Martirano, Stephanie Landau, all the folks coming on the front line to share uh, how uh, how you can be the solution to join us and and uh, to end prohibition. And free all our POWs. Don't let you go to jail for our plan. And like Donna says, don't forget to breathe. <laughs> Thank you, Kristen. Jean. Thank you, Tom.
Christian. Well, that was Tom Corby. Hello. Oh, yeah. So Hello. I was, my phone was on mute, Eugene, so I was going on and um, nothing was there. But that was Tom <laughs> I Corby. Wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> That's, not, that's yes. not you. You used to speak. <laughs> yep, yep. That was Tom Corby. Um, in, from Northern California. So, Eugene, before we end the show, is there anything that you want to let our listeners know? Uh, not really. Just um, keep up the uh, good work, everybody. Okay, cool. Um, one thing that we are we are working on is we we had a meeting this week, and I just want to say this real for real fast before we go, um, with a few other people um, that want to deschedule, and so the Voices of the Cannabis War is trying to look into a bill that Bernie Sanders uh, presented to Congress that would potentially possibly be scheduled. So I want to urge everybody to check into that and see if that's something that you want to support or not, because, you know, if what, what we understand, absolutely no congressmen are interested in it at this point. So if, if we can look into it and see if that's something that might help, we don't want to miss the opportunity to get it descheduled. But in the meantime, we're going to look into our well and take appropriate steps to the next level in order to, to at least put effort into this country to try to get it descheduled. So stay tuned for more details, um, and we will talk to you later about that one. Um, Eugene, is there anything other other than that that you think we should be talking about here? No, not really. Um, there is a motion uh, that Bernie Sanders, the presidential uh, candidate, has in front of Congress in front of the Senate to uh, totally uh, reschedule or deschedule marijuana, uh, but it has no, no support except for Mr. Sanders. Right. Well, I will tell you, Eugene, when I was at the Seattle Hemp Fest last night and they had this Matthew guy from Leap speak, he, his, I got his last name here, I just don't want to say Matthew guy, Matt McCauley. He spoke, and um, he did tell me that after he spoke, he did tell me that he he's scheduling versus rescheduling. So that was cool, and um, I hope you, can, you guys can hear more from him later. We want to have him on the show. Um, but I also want to bring up something about Richard DeLisi. I spoke to him a couple days ago, and this is a man, I know we always talk about federal levels and stuff, but this is a man who's serving three 30-year sentences in Florida. And he's been in for 28 years now. And Richard DeLisi's pretty much, you know, tapped out on all his freedom resources. He just had an appeal and was denied. His granddaughter just had, or his daughter just had a baby. So I want to say congratulations to her and Richard for being a grandfather. Um, And coming up soon, I'm going to be launching a few images on Facebook with some numbers that you can call to the governor, a link to his uh, pardons, his 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 petition. In fact, you can find that on my Facebook wall. Um, it's a petition to sign asking uh, Rick Scott, the governor of Florida, to release Richard DeLisi so that he can go be home with his family and return home. Uh, the, the prisons in Florida are terrible, and it's on a state level. So this poor man's been suffering for too long. So just stay tuned for more, but in the meantime, if you can, just go sign that petition immediately if you can. Uh, We'd really appreciate it. Um, But stay tuned for more details because we want to get phone calls to the governor's office, and we we want this man to to return home to his family. So 
um, look for that. And also, without saying too many details, we've been working on the Tom Gears project for a while, and the project is looking good, and hopefully he'll be freed soon, and we will be able to give you more of an update about what's been going on with him after he's freed. But in the meantime, you know, have good thoughts, um, Tom Gears, free Tom Gears. And other than that, Eugene, is there anything else going on that we should talk about? No, I think you covered it pretty good, Christian. Okay, good. All right, well, so for for today, um, I'm going to go into the closing now. We want to thank CCHI for giving this us this platform to be able to have a voice. We also want to, of course, thank the Northwest Leaf and the, the Vegas Canna Mag and urge you all to get those magazines, the Oregon Leaf as well, and pick up a copy, turn to about the 16th page if you're looking at the current issue, and read the Voices of the Cannabis War. There's a section in there for Washington News, Oregon News, Vegas has Vegas News, um, National News, and Prison Outreach, and all, all all three of those magazines. So check them out. Read what we got to say. Um, we work with the human, the Voices of Cannabis War. We work with the Human Solution, and we provide these beautiful articles uh, right from the front lines for you all to read. Um, so read those. I want to thank Mindy, who is the producer of the show, who also did all the screening of the calls today. And also Becca, who screens every other week, who's not screening this week, but we always want to thank Becca because she she does a lot for our prisoners um, on all different kinds of levels. Levels and all of our volunteers and all of our listeners um, who are listening. And just remember, we can end the war right now by not just judging if you're called to jury duty if the law has been broken, but actually judging the law. And it's called jury nullification, and that's how we can nullify a law for a particular defendant in a particular case if you don't agree with the law. So, you know, if you think marijuana is a bad law and you're called to jury duty, you can say not guilty. All it takes is one juror, and you cannot be in trouble by the government for your verdict. So um, you have a power to nullify a life sentence for somebody and keep somebody out of prison for a plant, not just a plant, but any nonviolent crime. Just always remember what your jury rights are. And also we can end prohibition by not snitching on each other. You know, when we give the government what they want, that's conviction. We give them information, and they use that information against us. And then certain of us go to jail and certain of us don't. But if we all stand together and not tell on each other, then they won't have that information. And then if we can rely on jury nullification, then the war would basically be over. And that's how we ended slavery, and that's how we ended alcohol prohibition. So... Um, let's do it. Let's let's tell everybody about it and and not and not snitch and 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 be wary of your jury rights. Um, I want to say to help us rest in pe- help us in prohibition. That's what you can do because we don't want anybody else to have to die in prison for a plant. We have over 50 people serving life sentences, and if we don't get them free, we don't change these laws. We don't deschedule or get the president give them all clemency. Then they're, they 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 are going to die in prison. And I'm going to tell you, my father, Richard Floor. He died in prison, and it wasn't a pretty death. It wasn't a death filled with love and anything like that. It was a very miserable, tormenting death full of nightmares and miserable things happened to him. He wasn't taken care of, and he died with all kinds of pain and suffering and mental abuse, and it was just, I can go into it all day long, but there's so many other prisoners that died in this war that I got to get to, but I'm just going to tell you, nobody should have to go to prison for a plant and die there. We also want to say rest in peace to Gary Shepard because, you know, if it wasn't for Gary Shepard, man, he took a stand for all of us and stood up to the feds in a federal raid 
about 21 years ago, and the federal government came onto his place and tried to chop down his plant, and he said he wasn't going to tolerate it, and they shot him down too. They took they they took his life. They took 21 bullets in Gary's body, not just his, but his his companion Mary Jane Jones stood there and held baby Jake, and she got shot down as well, but she survived, and we lost Gary that day, um, and Jake was not injured, but Jake. Um, Jake is now an inspiration and a leader in our movement, and so is his cousin Stacy Tice, who drives around a big green bus around the nation to try to end prohibition. So that's why we got in prohibition, so nobody else has to get shot down in a raid. Also, we want to say rest in peace to Jack Kerr, who taught us so much about the plant. He left us a book called Emperor Wears No Clothes. Please get the book because if you're curious about what the government, why the government has kept the plant a secret. If you're curious about why prohibition exists and you want to know more about how the hemp marijuana plant or the cannabis plant can change the world, you can read it all in a book that Jack Carer wrote called Emperor Wears No Clothes. We also want to say rest in peace to Peter McWilliams. Why Jack left us with the knowledge, Peter McWilliams left us with the um, inspiration to keep fighting through our fight. Through some books, uh, Peter McWilliams went to prison for a plant and died there. I heard he died over choking his own vomit, on his own vomit, um, in, in prison for the plant. Um, he's also a, a, a big inspiration to the rest of the world on many different civil rights issues, but has left us with inspiration in books like How to Deal with Death and How to Laugh and How to Cry and all kinds of stuff. So please check out Peter McWilliams' books if you're ever down. Um, and Larry Harvey, we want to say rest in peace to him because, you know, his whole family is facing charges, and Larry went to D.C. to try to pass laws that would keep other people out of prison for a plant. But in the meantime, he didn't have access to his medicine because he's on federal probation, and he passed away uh, from cancer. We also want to say rest in peace to Bill Lamorte, who we are hoping to be able to do a radio show about coming up soon. But he was involved in a very passionate love story while he served a life sentence in prison for a plant. Uh, he was a good friend with Eugene Fisher, and he died in prison uh, with while Eugene Fisher was there. Um, and Eugene said he grabbed his heart on the 4th of July and suffered a major heart attack in prison for our plant. So rest in peace, Bill Lamorte. Um, you will never be forgotten. And we also want to say rest in peace to Dee Young for giving us Adam. And rest in peace to Curtis Cecil, whose father risked going on lockdown every single week, calls into our show. You guys heard from him earlier. Well, yeah, his son passed away, and Craig couldn't even go to his funeral. But um, we want to say rest in peace to Curtis. We also want to say rest in peace to Spencer and Coptis and Cashy Hyde were two little children who died in this war. Um, they're they're uh, caregivers who were growing the medicine. It was curing their brain cancer, got raided, and their families couldn't get access to the medicine that they needed. And in the meantime, their cancer grew and killed the two little boys. So rest in peace. Their memories will always be remembered on our show. And also to Bernardo Funo Martini, who was a very close friend of mine, who wanted to help end prohibition on a worldly level through videos and ideas of how to get people to come come together, the whole world to come together to end prohibition. But Fumo died. Um, he also um, was known for his pipes. He left he left a legacy of his Fumo pipes, and um, those his pipes gave us some really fun times at a lot of events where he advocated for our prisoners. At so um, rest in peace. Not promo, and also rest in peace to Oscar, who was Eugene and George's friend, who went to FDI in the sky. Um, and life, help us in prohibition so nobody else has to die in this war. And check us out, and thank you for listening. 
Um, Eugene, is there anything you want to say before I play our song? Oh, Eugene's Eugene's disappeared. So check out this song. It's called No More War by Kushite. Um, We love it. And thanks for listening. Respect, loyalty, honor, love, as all 